0: You are listening to Seattle Growth Podcast and Radio Show. You are listening to Seattle Growth Podcast and Radio Show.
1: That's the voice of last week's guest, Tecla Waterfield. I'm Jeff Shulman, professor at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business. And this season of Seattle Growth Podcast and Radio Show is bringing you broad perspectives on whether the city of Seattle will continue to be a desirable place to live, to work, and to do business. This has been an enjoyable journey for me as I have cut through predefined narratives to learn directly from the people who make Seattle the city that it is. If you've been enjoying this season, please let me know. Reach out to me on Twitter, at Prof Shulman, or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I've been motivated to keep bringing diverse voices to you by the fans who have expressed what this podcast has meant to them. So reach out to me on Twitter, at Prof Shulman, share the podcast with friends and colleagues, and let's keep this energy going through the new year. Last week, you heard from UW Husky Hall of Fame running back and current executive director of the Central District's Meredith Matthews East Madison YMCA, Greg
2: Lewis. People in the black community especially not really being... Together at this point, you know, being fractured and moved out and no one, you know, kind of really rallying for the same cause. And I think a lot of the things that have gone on uh, in the last half a year in the United States has sort of brought us together. It's gotten people sort of thinking about how can we improve our situation? How can we um, use uh, a time such as this uh, as an opportunity to impact the outcomes
1: for our children? You also heard from professional musician Tecla Waterfield i feel like 2020 is the year of the pivot (laughs) it really is um because you kind of have to figure out what you can do with what you have and who you are and how safe
0: and comfortable you feel
1: in this episode you'll hear from the executive director of the soto bia aaron goodman
0: many businesses in soto really transitioned very quickly to new purposes so soto we, one of the things we realized is how many essential businesses we have in Soto from food distribution and supplies uh, and you know all sorts of things that you are now seeing in your world like the plastic shield between you and your grocery clerk that was made in Soto.
1: You will also hear from a musician I met at a listening post in Greenwood.
2: The hardest thing is the financial difficulties. Our rent is very very expensive and, and The prices on the grocery stores and on the daily prices are going up fast.
1: I was able to conduct safe, socially distanced interviews thanks to the kind folks at KBFG Radio. Combined, these interviews give you distinct perspectives on how people are navigating the pandemic and what the future holds for Seattle. Now, to learn more about what's happening in Soto, join me in my conversation with Aaron Goodman. I am here with Erin Goodman, the Executive Director of the Soto Business Improvement Area. Erin, thank you very much for joining me today. Good afternoon. Why don't you start by telling me a little bit about yourself?
0: I'm the Executive Director of the Soto Business Improvement Area, but I'm also a lifelong South Seattle resident and um, really enjoy being able to work in a neighborhood that's really close to where I live and to make a difference for the people that work there.
1: Tell me a little bit about the Soto BIA.
0: So we are a business improvement area, which is a kind of a financial mechanism that the state allows for districts to collectively come together and buy services over and above what the city provides. And there are 10 of them in Seattle. So I run the one in Soto. Our ordinance was passed originally in October 2013. Um, And so we're just about seven years old, but we really didn't get started until 2014. I'm the first director and I started in December of 2014. And we focus on providing services in safety, cleaning, transportation, and advocacy. Um, I really think of it as we're there to do things that businesses need so that they can focus on running on their business. So we do a lot of business navigation of government from permitting, to parking, to a question for SPU. We help them work through the bureaucracy that can sometimes be very frustrating so that they can focus on running their businesses.
1: And you were previously here up in the U District for the U District BIA. Uh, We're gonna talk about the changes in Seattle, but just curious what kind of differences you're noticing being down in Soto versus when you were working up here.
0: Sure, so working up here, Businesses in the U District, they all, at least the ones along the Ave, all have their front doors on the Ave and their back doors on the alley. So they all know each other. And it might be a little bit of a dysfunctional family sometimes, but some of these business owners have known each other 20 plus years. So when you're working up here, you're, you're sometimes, you know, settling squabbles and whatnot. But there's already a really strong sense of the business community in the U District. That was something that was not present in Soto, because of the properties and the way they sit, or because businesses may have completely different operating hours than their neighbors. What I discovered when I got to Soto was folks didn't know what their neighbor, who their neighbors were, and I'd hear very often, it might just be me, but this is the problem I'm having. And I would hear it from every business up the street, and they had no idea that their business neighbors were dealing with the same puddle or the same you know electricity issue and so one of the things that we've done from the beginning in Soto is focus on business community development on making sure that businesses in Soto know other business owners and really it's important for what I do because that's what informs my advocacy when I have an opportunity to talk to People and get a real sense of what they're feeling, then I can translate that into the advocacy I do for the district.
1: So we're going to talk about some of that advocacy and what you'd like to see for the future of Soto. First, I just want to get to know how are you coping with the pandemic, either professionally helping these businesses or personally, or both?
0: Well, you know, personally, it's been it's been a year of disappointments. I mean. You know, I look at my kids and I had a daughter that turned 18, a daughter that graduated from high school, birthday parties, and it's been really hard to kind of help them accept that this is difficult, but at the same point that we have to go through it and there's nothing as their mother that I can do. Um, We've been lucky. My income and my husband's income have been largely stable, so in that respect, we are certainly weathering this better than a lot of people and we're very conscious of that and we talk to our kids about the fact that this is an inconvenience but we're not in the position where they might not have their house and that that's a privileged place to be but I think you can acknowledge your privilege and still admit that things are hard and that it's not as easy. I think one of the things that's made it a little bit better for me is that I've been working and my job has still had meaning and purpose. You know we are here to help our businesses so what we've been doing since March has been different. We're helping them in different ways but they still need us just as much as they did pre-COVID and so I think that's really helped me is going to work. We were designated by the city as an essential business For the safety of my staff, I did have them work from home up until we moved into phase two. But since then, which I think was June-ish, we've been working a kind of staggered schedule in the office. We have space, so everyone has enough space. We're able to social distance. But coming and going into the office and working has been, mentally very helpful and the truth is is that one of the things i love most about my job is that i actually help people every day and so being able to continue that during all of this other chaos has been really uh, positive for me and could you talk
1: a little bit about any other pivots that you've made with the soto bia
0: in the early months it was all about information and consolidating there was information coming in from all different sources the state the federal government the city the county and people were confused they didn't know where to go so we from the very beginning became an information consolidator so that we were putting out we normally do our newsletter once a month and we were putting them out twice a week for a period of time just so that businesses didn't have to go search. It was all in one place. And then as many businesses in Soto really transitioned very quickly to new purposes. So Soto, we, one of the things we realized is how many essential businesses we have in Soto, from food distribution and supplies, uh, and you know all sorts of things that you are now seeing in your world, like the plastic shield between you and your grocery clerk, that was made in Soto. And so then we saw our other businesses like Outdoor Research and Tom Bin transition to making face masks. Our winery, our distilleries transition to making hand sanitizer. So we had a lot of activity in Soto as people tried to figure out how to help. And, you know, we have traditionally done um, kind of a video every year and a focus to let people get to know Soto and in past years it's been uh, made in Soto where we took a look at all the items that are made in Soto and last year it was experienced Soto so you know different things that you may not know that there's rooftop yoga in Soto or where to go for a game and we realized that doing that type of marketing right now didn't make sense because there wasn't a reason to bring people down So we started focusing on telling the stories of how Soto stepped up and how Soto was being resilient during this time. And that has been really, really well received. And people like knowing the story of the the store that is a frame shop, you know, they frame photographs. Well, what do they know? They know clear plastic and glass. And they turned around and were making PPE for, hospitals i mean that level of 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 equipment and so i think that's been a big deal we did do uh we did shove, um we did pivot to doing some murals on some of the boarded up businesses however soto didn't board up the way that some of the other neighborhoods did so that was a smaller project and really it's the what we're seeing now six months seven months into this is that the crime and safety is the number one thing we're hearing about. You know, at the beginning of this, when we went into lockdown, everybody thought this was gonna be a couple of weeks. And so what could we, what could SOTO as a district tolerate for a couple of weeks is very different than what they could tolerate for eight months or even 18 months as we look. and And those challenges are coming forward right now.
1: So we'll talk about that in a little bit as sure. we talk about the Seattle changes. But first i want to talk about the pandemic and what about what aspects of seattle has made going through the pandemic better than it otherwise could have been either professionally or personally
0: sure i think seattle weather the fact that we had a beautiful summer and we were able to be in our yard a lot my garden's never been better so i really appreciated the fact that we're not a place where it gets so hot and you need air conditioning to stay inside i think the fact that it's beautiful and you can go out and take a walk you know we did a lot of walks in seward park um i think that those are elements that make it easier to to go through this process here i think that we also have had as a general societal you know understanding that we all have to take care of each other i don't know if a mask works or doesn't but I wear one because that's what we need to do as a society. And um, I think that's been a pretty common thread across Seattle is that sort of we all care about our community and we may not like doing this, but we're gonna do it because and I and I didn't see that in some of the other areas that I've visited. So, you know, I think that as a whole, Seattle's a very compassionate city. And, you know, the stories that you hear of people stepping up or changing their, what they do. I mean, I have a business in Soto that's a trucking company. They move food. Uh, they delivered a restaurant. So all of a sudden their restaurants were closed, but he didn't want to let go of any of his employees. So he started loaning out his trucks to Northwest Harvest and his trucks and drivers so that he could keep his employees employed and they could be doing something for the community. And those are the things that I think make Seattle really special. And let's talk
1: negatively. Is there any aspect of going through this pandemic in uh, Seattle, any aspect of Seattle that makes going through the pandemic more challenging professionally or personally?
0: I would say right now it is our political climate. It is the fact that we are in the middle of an emergency on many different fronts. We are still under a homeless declaration of emergency we are under the west seattle bridge closure declaration of emergency we're under a pandemic we've had all this social unrest and and you know you know protests that are you know marching and and calling for change and yet at a political level we see a legislative and executive branch that still seem to be playing politics with each other and i would really like to see put away what office you want next and focus on getting this done right. And I haven't seen that yet during this pandemic. And I, I'm not sure if we will.
1: What changes have impacted you negatively, professionally or personally?
0: Well, I think there's a lot of stress. This entire situation is so filled with unknowns. And that is the time when you need a leader to at least give you the pretense that they're in charge. And we haven't seen that on the federal level. And we really haven't seen it on the local level either. We've seen um, our elected leaders make decisions, backtrack on those decisions, make statements, then come back. And at this point, you know, I would like to see folks say, this is what's best right now. And, And that's what I think our city needs to move forward.
1: Are there any decisions at the city level that have been backtracked that kind of threw you for a loop or the businesses that you represent?
0: Well, you know, uh, everyone was watching the jobs tax. Um, That was a concerning element. We as an organization were neutral on that because we don't we don't take positions on certain types of things. But I know for my businesses, it was a concern. Um, And it seemed like really weird timing to... Be, when businesses are literally shutting their doors and can't stay afloat to say, okay, we're now going to tax you. And I think what, what people forget is you can look at our large businesses and say they're doing okay. But you have to remember that that large business feeds a whole ecosystem of smaller businesses i mean you see the impact downtown without office workers the restaurants the dry all these you know service businesses in my neighborhood it's the doggy daycare you know his clients aren't going to work so he, they don't need his services you know and so we need to remember that just because we're focused on one business that might be easy, an easy target that the impacts could really ripple down through to the small mom-and-pop businesses that we want to support.
1: And any changes that you've seen that have affected you personally or professionally in a positive way?
0: I I don't know. I I think that I'm concerned right now. I think, you know, I would love to be able to say that some of the programs that were designed to get people out were working, but the current situation of our parks is is concerning. And you know we have never um, elevated our response to homelessness to the level of an emergency, and that is having significant impacts in our neighborhoods. And so when you've got a situation where people can't be inside. They can't go to to the movies or so really the parks are only their only option. And then in many neighborhoods, those parks are not safe or sanitary places to be. That's not a good situation. At the same point, the people that are living in those parks need a place to go. And the city has really struggled with this. And I'm not sure that they're even... Today, ready to make the kinds of decisions they need to make to fix those problems.
1: And what are you seeing in Soto in particular? Uh, are there any specific changes that you feel are kind of Soto changes or where Soto's experiencing something more than other cities? I would cities?
0: say the number one impact on Soto this summer was the West Seattle Bridge closure. Um, that was um, a ripple effect. I mean, we call it the West Seattle Bridge because that's one side of it, but the other side is Soto, so it could be called the Soto Bridge. Um, But it really has not only an impact on, a lot of the fueling is on the other side of the bridge, so trucks that need to go and interact with Harbor Island and with fueling have to go around, Um, but it's also the increased traffic through Soto of people from West Seattle trying to get to downtown and other places north has really clogged up things. and so. That, in my opinion, I mean, I know Councilmember Peterson is, is introducing, you know, additional support for bridge maintenance, but that is a negative impact, which was because of policy decisions and spending decisions in the past. Um, positively, we have, I, I think it's kind of been interesting how quickly our Liquor Control Board was able to shift so that now when you call and order dinner, You can pick up a bottled drink, or you can go pull up in front of the cannabis shop and pick up legal cannabis. And I think that, you know, as a city that's kind of often full of red tape, that one surprised me is how quickly they were able to shift because, you know, because there was need and in a way that I wouldn't have thought possible if there weren't a pandemic.
1: So we're gonna get to the future of Seattle and what you expect to see and what you would like to see. But first, this season of Seattle Growth Podcast, I've introduced trivia. So I'm asking my guests a trivia question so that the listener can learn some Seattle facts and we could test our guests' knowledge. Okay. So in, I believe it was season two of Seattle Growth Podcast, I had former mayor, Mike McGinn. (laughs) And the question for you is, do you know what years Mike McGinn served as the Seattle mayor? And if you could guess that, a bonus question is, what was his nickname?
0: I'm going to get close, but I know that he was there sort of 2008 to 2012-ish, because I know that I I interacted with him in 2012 to 2013. So maybe it was a little more 2009 to 2013.
1: I'm going to keep you in suspense so the listener is on the edge of their seat. And the bonus question is, what was his nickname?
0: Oh, I do know. Based this. off of his uh, Bicycle- policy. Yes. Uh, yes. And I am drawing a complete blank. I'm sorry. I know it, but it's I can't pull it up. That's
1: OK. That's a bonus. I put you on the spot and you are welcome to put me on the spot if you have any trivia <laughs> for the, uh, before the end of this interview. Uh, but so your guess is 2009 to 2013. will leave the listener in suspense about where season two uh, guest former mayor Mike McGinn when he served as mayor here. So now let's talk about the future. What would you ask of the listener that could help you have more positive things to say about the changes in Seattle? What would you like them to do to have a brighter future for the city?
0: I'd like to really see more of of the citizens get involved. What I have seen over the past few years is um, policy influenced by advocacy, by small groups that are really loud. And I hear a lot of concerns or complaints or people talking to me but not willing to go out and say what they say publicly. And as long as our policymakers are only hearing from a small group of hyper-engaged people, they're going to continue to make policy based on that. And if people want change or if they want to see something different one way or the other, not specific policy, they need to vote, obviously but they also need to start getting involved. You know, one of the things I think has been so fascinating is the council um, meeting by Zoom. And on one hand, it's really opened up the process to a lot of people, but it's also allowed for monopolization by some people as well. So, you know, before, if I had a business owner that wanted to testify, we'd have to block out three to four hours. You'd have to get there at least an hour ahead get your name on, wait until that period of time, give your comment, and if you wanted to hear the rest of the conversation, there was the rest of your afternoon. But by doing it by Zoom, you know, somebody who's running a business goes on, they sign up, they get on when it's their time, they give their comment and they're done. And I think that as we move forward, I think there's an importance to having counsel in person and having these decisions made in person but I think a hybrid model that includes, allows for some online participation as well as in-person is gonna be the most inclusive way to go. And I think we're gonna see that across Seattle as as we you know start to have more of a hybrid of remote and in-person. And I think that's gonna really fundamentally change the way this city operates. And some of it might be hard in the beginning. I mean, we're gonna see You know commercial space crashes you know where we have too much and not all of the office space being refilled and that's gonna hurt but as we are creative and come up with um new ideas it will address our traffic it will address a lot of the commute issues you know when we went through the um two week period when when basically they were concerned that the entire city was going to grind to a halt and via doom via doom and one of the items that they kept saying was if you can work remotely and i remember being in a meeting and people saying i can't do that i can't do that and i think people really have realized there are some positions that need to be there but maybe they don't need to be there five days a week so one of the things that we're doing in my office is that we're back, but we, I'm still having my employees work from home one day a week. We are leaving the office at four. We're still giving 100% effort to our job, but I think there's a little better work-life balance and understanding that just being in a space may not be the most effective use of time. Because I think we're learning it's not about work-life balance. It's about work-life integration. And that's what I think we're seeing. And I think employees that are able to integrate their work and their home life are far more productive than if they're trying to balance and juggle a whole bunch of things.
1: And now I want to turn to your outlook for the future. In these last 10 years, an unprecedented amount of money and people have moved into Seattle. And Midway through this last decade is what inspired this podcast of just so many people, so much money flowing into the city and, and really transforming it. And I'm curious what you see for the future, the maybe the next 10 years and maybe the next 10 months in terms of what's going to happen with the amount of money and people moving into the city.
0: I do think the next 10 months are going to be really hard. Um, as you know, we've seen a certain number of businesses be able to make it, But I think we're going to see more closures as, you know, you just can't survive on 50% income if you're even getting that. Um, So I think there's been a whole bunch of businesses that struggled through the first eight months thinking it was going to be six to eight months. But as it stretches out to 18 months or more, I think we're going to see a lot more closure. I think that we are going to see some shifts and I don't think that our tech companies are gonna bring back the same number of employees to these large campuses and that our our business and downtown core are gonna to have to figure out what to do with space and I hope that you know there's a lot of reasons people move to Seattle and those aren't gonna go away our weather our scenery our access to outdoor activities um, are generally you know positive attitude but I think we're really going to have to work on schools um, I will tell you as a Seattle public school parent um, I am not impressed with the way this is going and that is a number one reason I think we could see people start to, to choose I mean if you can go somewhere else that has got a better handle on online learning and you can work remotely why wouldn't you um, so I think that we have a bright future, but we can't take it for granted. And we can't just assume that the insane growth that we've had is going to continue. We actually have to do things to foster it. And that means encouraging businesses to stay, creating an environment that is safe and healthy for small businesses to operate. It's a dealing with some of the street disorder and crime and figuring out a way to make sure that small businesses and their employees and customers can feel safe to be open. And we're going to have to make some of those decisions if we want that bright future.
1: And so you say bright future is possible for Seattle if we make it. And then the 10 months, you're not as optimistic for downtown in particular with the office workers potentially not coming back in the level they were before. What does a diminished downtown mean for south of downtown? What does that mean for Soto? I
0: mean, we have our own large companies. One of the largest employers in Soto has announced that they're not bringing back employees till the fall of 2021. That is a big deal. I mean, that is 8,000 people that are not coming in and using the restaurants across the street, which I've heard three of which are closing because that was their customer base. Really, Soto is south of downtown, but we're largely independent of it. You know, we we supply the entire region. Part of the reason that so many businesses locate in Soto is that we're at the nexus of I-5 and I-90. So if you are a food distributor, you c- it's really easy to get to other parts of, of the region from Soto. So I'm not sure that it's going to have the same impact on us. We are like I said, so many essential businesses that are, you know, they're struggling and they're being creative. You know, I have a juice manufacturer that shares a building. Their warehouse is right behind my office. And, you know, most of her of her business prior to COVID was restaurants. And she has had to really retool. And now she's got contracts with the school districts. She donates a lot of stuff. So I think Soto, I've been really proud of the businesses, their resiliency and their adaptability.
1: So that company you're referring to is Starbucks, which is global headquarters is right there in Soto, I presume.
0: Yes, the Starbucks global headquarters is located at First and Lander in the old Sears building, for those of you who know Seattle.
1: And now I want to answer the trivia question for the listeners and for you. You are almost correct on the trivia questions. Mayor Mike McGinn, affectionately known as Mike McSchwin, Ah, for his uh, real push of love of bicycles and and bike lanes. Elected in 2009, but he took office for 2010 through the end of 2013. Thank you. Uh, That's
0: right. I knew that. We elected them in an odd year because we're coming up on another mayoral election.
1: Yes. So in 2021, Mayor Jenny Durkin will be up for a re-election. Right. And I, too, thought 2009 to 2013 because I had in my head when he was elected. But he took office in 2010. All
0: right. I can accept that.
1: Yes. So good work. Now I want to give you a chance for concluding thoughts.
0: I would just really like to make a call for... I mean, peace isn't the right word, but for community and for us to stop focusing on the things that divide us and start looking at the things we agree on and the things that unite us and take that step to move us forward. Um, For this past year, it feels like we have really been focused on small, little differences in opinion and have blown those up and so to being full roadblocks. So I would like to see Seattle come together and address the issues that we are all coming together that are coming towards us and that we're all dealing with. And I think we can.
1: Aaron, thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate your time and perspective. Thank you. Next up is an interview with Seattle musician, Marco Antonio de Cavallo. Before we get to the interview, I want to share news of another project I'm working on. If you are a product manager, or involved in bringing new products to market, we have launched a Foster the Product event series at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business. Foster the Product is more than a chance to learn from established product leaders. It is a community of support for experienced and aspiring product professionals. If you want to connect with people and ideas that could advance your product career, join the UW Foster the Product group on LinkedIn. That's UW Foster the Product group on LinkedIn. Now, to hear a perspective from a musician, join me in my next conversation. I am here with Marco in Sundell Park here in Greenwood. Uh, Marco, thank you very much for joining me today. You're welcome, my pleasure. Uh, why don't we start, just tell me a little bit about yourself.
2: Oh, I've been uh, I've been living in, in, in Seattle since the late 90s and right now I'm living here in Greenwood for the past almost four years. And um, I'm a professional musician and I perform all over Seattle, I don't have any performance to be announced <laughs> as you know, yeah. <laughs> but I've been uh, performing all over Seattle with the, all the incredible musicians here uh, in Seattle and uh, you know, performing on a daily basis. Uh, what kind and, of music? Pretty uh, Brazilian music uh, and in a solo, duo, and trio format, you know, bass and drums and uh, singing and playing guitar and. Uh, This is it, yes. And so you're a
1: musician, an industry that's been hit quite hard by COVID. Definitely. How are you coping with COVID? I want to ask you first personally, Mm -hmm. and then we'll talk professionally. Yes,
2: it's very hard emotionally and financially. Um, I guess I can say that I'm lucky to, you know, to be be managing this crisis, you know, as everyone else. I'm glad that the self, Self-employed and unemployment is happening in Washington State and other states, right? And that's very good; it's been helping. But you know, uh, it's never it's never enough. But I'm I'm happy in that uh, we're getting some help, especially for us self-employed, you know, musicians and and, and any any type of self in work, you know. And, and
1: so, what are you doing to cope emotionally? What uh, any well, uh,
2: well, music as my whole life has been a blast, and uh, so I, I, I write songs, I compose, and I, I you know, um, I've been teaching online, and uh, but you know, one of the things that I do every day. Uh, before the virus, I used to do that, but now I, I'm doing even more. Is to take a walk here, Sandell Park. Uh, nearby Greenwood Avenue North. It's a beautiful park and seeing the kids and the families and everybody, it's a great uh, uh, therapy for me. I walk usually hour and a half here and sometimes I take two walks, you know, and I, and I go around and I see some people that I know here, I see every day, say hi. And the kids biking, you know, and it, it is seeing people even from far away, it really helps uh, emotionally uh, as opposed you know uh, to the screen because you can see people on the screen but it's different when you go to a park and hear the birds and see the sky and even though i have my mask at all times you know uh just i feel good about it you know and to for other people too but this really helps me and, and my beautiful partner, you know, uh, that we live together so that we're supporting each other. She's a, a public teacher. She teaches at elementary school in Burian. And so we're, we're together all the time supporting each other, you know, so that really helps. COVID's been
1: tough on on everybody around the, the country, maybe even around the world. Um, but here in Seattle, I'm curious for you personally, what have been the best aspects of
2: being in Seattle in particular during this pandemic? I think many things are the things that, um, before the virus Seattle, i had some of the qualities, which is the city is not too big and it's not too small. It has lots of parks and um, and green, you know, and uh, it's not too hot, not too cold, you know, but, and the consciousness of everybody, you know, I see a lot of, you know, many people really conscious and wearing masks and keeping the distance, and that I know everywhere is different. You know, in in, in U.S., you know, you go to other states and other neighborhoods. I mean, but I'm saying what I'm trying to say is like, I see people wearing masks and keeping the distance, like like yourself, you know, yeah, you know, and and that kind of helps, you know, and. Uh, uh, and what has
1: been the most uh, what has been the most challenging aspect of coping with COVID here in Seattle, in particular?
2: The hardest thing is the financial difficulties. Our uh, rent is very, very expensive, and and the prices on the grocery stores and on the daily prices are going up fast, uh, and um, and also. Uh, uh, the cost of living went up, you know, it's going up. And um, so that that has been really hard because we lost jobs and Seattle, it's a city that is very difficult to get around that difficulty of, it's a very, very expensive city to live, you know, by all means. So that that is very hard with the crisis, you know, um, and what changes in Seattle? So I asked you, you know
1: the toughest and best part about being in Seattle during a pandemic. What changes in Seattle in these last uh, six to nine months uh, have affected you most personally?
2: Awareness of uh, life in general, like meaning people are aware how important life became every day. Because we are protecting ourselves and protecting trying to protect others from getting this virus and uh, a sense of of cooperate, you know, we cooperate. Because uh, before the virus, of course, everybody, you know, we're out and about, you know, minding our own business, but now you can see that people are, have something in common enormously, which is like, let's all help each other to keep alive, you know, I mean, I want to think this way, you know, and, and, and and the mask and the distance and the following guidance and try to help each other, you know. So I
1: have two more questions, but before I do, uh, I want to do a bit of trivia.
2: Who is our mayor and when is the mayoral re-election? Oh man, that was a... Okay, Govern- governor is Inslee. The mayor is... Uh... Okay, best... No, best was the police chief, she just resigned. And then uh, Dur- Dur- Durkan Dirk Dirkon is the, 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 the city mayor, right? Uh, we'll have to
1: wait till after the next question because yeah, I got to Dur- keep the listeners yeah. in suspense. And, uh, so you're going yeah. with Dirkon as mayor, and yeah. when is uh, Dirkon up for re-election?
2: Re-election? Okay, man, re-election a state re-election. I know the three powers: president, senate, and house of representatives. We do all in November. All those three, right? They all the Uh, Everything aligned, but the governor here for governor. I don't know. It's been two. It's been like four years I'm not I'm not exactly sure. I do get my ballot for everything I get I'm you know via mail and I vote for everything you know and I get always I get my ballots and we Vote but I don't remember exactly the, the year now how long it's been since you know ours mayor has been, you know, in power. I I don't know when is the election.
1: Well, you were just, I just picked you up here off a Park Bench in Greenwood. Uh, So we'll get you the answer in just a moment. Uh, But first, I want to ask you a question about uh, what you think of the future of Seattle. So here we are, uh, we've had about a decade of just unprecedented growth of the amount of people and money moving into the city. Yes. What's your guess for the next decade or even just the next year or two? Do you think
2: Seattle is going to continue to grow? I think um, the most important of the growth is uh, to build affordable houses, um, you know, and um, really, really work on the the, the, the people that have no homes, you know, they live out on the streets. And I think one of the most important projects, of course, is, is to build more Affordable homes for 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 people. Most of the people they do not work for the big companies. They're they you know they work on the you know the stores and everything. So it's like they should not you know the big companies should not set the rent the rental price. So I think it's going to continue to grow, but now with the crisis. Everything shifted. We don't know what's going to happen if they... Because, see, in San Francisco, people are moving out of San Francisco. They're moving out of the big cities. So it could be that, like, people that now they can do their jobs at home, online, maybe they will move away from the big cities. Uh, But I think, you know, the biggest problem with the rent, with the the growth is the rent, you know, the prices, you know, the, the affordable homes, you know. If you had to be a betting man,
1: uh, would you say that it is going to grow, continue to grow, or that uh, the growth is behind us?
2: Well, I think it's going to. I think it's going to continue to, to grow. You know, people. Are, you know, you see the construction; they're building more homes and more. You know, comp and you know the companies are expanding those big, 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 powerful companies. You know, especially the tech industry. Uh, so, the tech industry. So I think. I think. It, I bet it will continue to grow, you know. I don't know uh, if it's the same as fast as before the virus, but I think it will continue to grow. All
1: right, so I want to give you a chance for concluding thoughts, which could either summarize anything you've said or just something you want to get across uh, to the listeners here in Seattle. Uh, But first, I just want to let you know that you were right, Mayor uh, Jenny Durkin. And uh, Jenny Durkin is up for re-election in November of 2021. Uh, oh, good! Next year, so that's next great! Year. Any concluding thoughts uh, for the listeners here today?
2: Oh yes! Okay, I want to say this. The most important... This is goes beyond the state. The most important... Uh, the most important things for uh, the, a country's future is education. And there's no... And I think the most important is public schools. They should never be substituted by private school. I came from a country where... Public school practically doesn't, don't exist anymore. My brother, my brother spent his whole life teaching public schools, you know, and, and what's happening, they're defunding public schools. and uh, uh, So I think it's very important to, to pour money into public schools and, and, and education should be free for everyone, as well the university, but okay, let's not go too far. But, internet also should be free right now for all these kids in schools elementary middle school high school internet are there in their homes should be free you know i don't know how but should be free so because some families they have you know more than 3 kids and they don't have computers and you know and they need internet and it's too expensive and and computers should poor you know for the kids to continue to go to school and you know so uh I would like to leave this message, you know, like the most important, uh, you know, future for us is is the kids having free school, public school, not private.
1: Marco, thank you very much for sharing your time and perspective today. I appreciate the opportunity to meet you and hear your voice today. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you very much. That is all for today's episode of Seattle Growth Podcast. Have an opinion to share? Reach out to me on Twitter, at Prof Shulman. I've enjoyed hearing how listeners like you are reacting to the interviews. That's at Prof Shulman on Twitter. Still to come on this season of Seattle Growth Podcast are interviews with business leaders, cultural leaders, small business owners, and everyday people who make Seattle what it is. Next week's episode features a Seattle mom who ran for Lieutenant Governor Ann Davison. I hope you'll join me next week. In the meantime, I'm Jeff Shulman, and I thank you for joining me on this journey in the return of Seattle Growth Podcast and radio show.